Okay, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. No, these are not heavenly bells that you are hearing. You're not hallucinating? (laughs) I know, I know. It's in the, the stuff they've got in the garden. Wait till they start hitting the gong. We will gong. I know your deeds, verse 15, and you are neither cold nor hot. It's getting louder, isn't it? I think every time I read from it, I... <laughs> I wish you were either... I'll read it again because I've been put off now. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke. You wait till I get home. Helen's in real trouble, I'm telling you now. And discipline. So I think she's doing this to get her own back on me. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church in Laodicea. I've been, when I've been sharing in the evening from time to time, um, been looking at this, uh, the book of Revelation and the letters to the churches in Revelation. And the theme has been Jesus in the midst and Jesus in the midst of our life. And the first few chapters, the first three or four chapters of the book of Revelation is a, a, is a letter of a vision written to churches that are struggling in difficult times. And uh, in, um, I'm just recapping just to give you an idea if you're here for the first time. And what we see is that uh, John has a revelation, a man called John on the island of Patmos has this incredible vision and revelation of Jesus in the midst of his church. There's these candlesticks and they represent the church. And in the revelation that he has, this book called the Revelation, Jesus is standing in the midst. And that has been my theme for a few weeks, a number of weeks or a few months. Jesus wants to be in the midst. He wants to be in the middle of your life, my life, and the life of the church. And so each one of those churches had different things that they faced. And we've been looking, although this was something written several thousand years ago, each church struggled with certain things. And we find that those struggles are the same for us today. And so the struggle that we're going to look at at the church of Laodicea is a struggle that you and I can experience today. And there's something that we can learn. Because Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. So we're going to look at that. And that's where we've been going over the last few weeks. And that's where we're going to go tonight. So the church of Laodicea. Laodicea, these are churches in what we call Asia Minor, or now it's called modern, it's Turkey, the country of Turkey, along the coast of Turkey, opposite, if you're looking for an area, if you've got Greece that side, you've got Turkey this side, and along the coast, these cities were sort of 
in, inland, but along that side of the coast, opposite Greece. And so Laodicea was a famous city at that time. And you need to know this because this is very important. Um, it was a very rich city. It was very wealthy. And this was a city renowned for its wealth. Financially, the people were wealthy people. This was a very wealthy city. And this is important because when we see this city, this church that was based in this city, it had been invaded by this wealth. And the wealth of the city had had an impact on the church and the attitude of the people in that church. And Jesus said some things to them. And the impact of the attitude is that they became lukewarm. They, the people of this church... Um, obviously, the area had affected the church, not the church affecting the area. And haven't we seen this in each of the letters written to the churches? The danger can be that everything around us in the world in which we live can affect us to nullify the church and hold us back. And yet what God wants is everything within us, Christ that lives within me, to be released out from my life. The rivers of living water, said Jesus, will come from your heart. And he wants the church to be loosed. He wants your heart to be freed so that you can be a person that God wants you to be. And he wants the church to be full of people, released to be whom God wants them to be, so that they fill the earth with a sense of God's presence. Now, this church had gone the opposite way, like some of these other churches in Revelation. And the same thing can happen to you and I today. Um, the wealth of the area, the wealth of the city had affected the hearts and attitudes and minds and attention of the people in the church. Now, it's a bit like that today. Today, we live in what we call a materialistic age. I want to talk about that a little bit because you think, oh, you know, I'm not going to be very wealthy. I could do with a bit more money. We're in a credit crunch. I could do with a bob or two. I'm not necessarily speaking about having lots of money or having a lack of money, but although that will come into it a little bit. But materialism, we live in an age of materialism. And materialism um, is basically lives in the here and now. What you see is what you get. I live for today. There's no thought of tomorrow. There's no thought of an eternal future. There's no thought of a spiritual realm. Materialism has at its root and heart, live today, live now. What you see is what you get. You, you, you don't have to have a lot of money to be materialistic. The, the literal sense of materialism is a living for what you see, living in the here and now. I see it, I believe it, I live for today, I don't think about tomorrow. The, you know, the, the few, live now. And it, it, it supports this make merry now and you know, forget about the future that's, a, that's the root uh, the heart of materialism living in the here and now not living in for the thought of the future not think of any, anything that is spiritual um, it's what you see not only is it that but it's self-gratifying it gratifies it lives for self the materialism a materialistic view it lives for what you see what you can get as well it feeds the gratification of the human soul. In other words, me, my, and I. What can I get out of it? What's in it for me? It feeds that dimension of life. At its root, materialism lives in the here and now. What you see is what you get. It doesn't look at the future. It doesn't look at the eternal value. There is no God in materialism. You live for yourself. We live for now. We live for ourselves. Human beings are at the center of all things. Not God. And at the root of materialism is the raising of human beings to the very pinnacle of society and life on this planet. So we live for ourselves. It feeds, it does feed a selfish dimension. 
There's a lot of good in the world today. I'm not saying it's all bad, but it does feed a self-gratifying, living for me, living for pleasure. What can I get from it and get out of it? It's human-centered. I'm in charge. I become self-sufficient. This is very dangerous stuff. We become self-sufficient. We become to rely on ourselves. I can make it happen. I can do it. I don't need it. You know, I'll just get on with it myself. I'm in control. I'm in charge. There is no God. Human beings are at the center. What you see is what you get. I live for what I can get. What can I get out of life? And I'm in control. We are at the very center. Humanistic. So it's humanistic and materialistic is the spirit of the age in which we live. And... Laodicea was a very material city. Laodicea was wealthy and rich in goods. And also it fed the hearts of people with materialism. For pleasure and leisure and themselves, self-gratification. There was, it nullified God. It nullified the spirit. We began, they began to live. And this is what Jesus said is so dangerous. When he said to them, you are lukewarm. This is what is behind the church's lukewarmness. And we're going to look at what that means in a moment. You know, we as Christians are called not to be humanistic and materialistic, but to be God and kingdom minded. To be God centered, not human centered. Um, written on the boards, as you come in, in the auditorium outside, it talks about three things that we value, I would value, is um, being uh, God centered, purpose driven, and people empowering. God centered. God is at the center of the universe, God is the author and creator. And not human centered. We are not at the center. Human beings are very important. You are made in the image of God. That's amazing. You are wonderful. We're created. We are incredible. So I'm not pulling us down. We are at the very ultimate pinnacle of God's creation in that respect. But we are not the be all and end all. It's not us at the center of life. And it's this that is so dangerous. For materialism is the spirit of the age in which we live. And it feeds the me, my, and I in me. And I tell you what, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. It is dangerous because this atmosphere pervaded Laodicea and it affected a church and can I tell you tonight it can affect you and it can affect me don't you think to yourself it'll never get me I'll never get it'll never get hold of me it creeps up on you it is intoxicating it is like an ascetic I talk about it a lot but an anesthetist if you live in the medical world, but if you're an anaesthetist, they're good at their job, they put you to sleep. And they can be talking to you, and you can be holding your hand, and the next minute you're gone, and you're waking up so many hours later, you think, where did that come from? If you've had an operation, you'll know what I mean. And humanism and materialism, it's like an anaesthetic. It creeps up on us. This is what happened in Laodicea. There were people that started well. Church was planted and going for God. And you know what? It comes upon you and I. And what it does, it anesthetizes, it intoxicates. It, 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 it's shown when we become complacent, apathetic, self-sufficient, self-seeking, self-satisfied. <coughs> we become complacent. Complacent Christianity. Oh, well. Apathetic. Another meeting. Don't do much, I suppose. A bit like Eeyore the donkey in it from Winnie the Pooh. Complacent, apathetic, self-seeking. We become, what can I get out of church? What can I get out of God? You know, God wants to give us great things. He gives us eternal life. He's a giver. 
Isn't it amazing? God is a great giver, but it's not what we get out of it. The gift of life. But there is something in the materialistic spirit that can invade and pervade the church. And it kills off true Christianity. It kills off the cutting edge of the heart beat of God. It becomes self-satisfied. We need nothing. And the danger for Laodicea was they become self-satisfied, complacent and apathetic. We don't need anything. We are rich. They were a church that were rich. They probably had a great building. I'm sure, sure they had everything you could think of. They said, we are rich. And yet Jesus said to them, you're poor. You are naked. You have become so self-sufficient. The danger for the Western church is that we are in danger of becoming a bit too self-sufficient. We need to come back to God again and say, I need you more today than I've ever needed you, God. There's a cry in the heart of the people of God. There's a cry in the heart of church Throughout history, revival history, the church has been revived when people have cried, we need you again, God. And God has stirred up the hearts. That's called a revival. Very simple. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And this is dangerous for us and it's dangerous for them. They didn't even realize this had got them. They were lukewarm. They'd become anesthetized, intoxicated. They were neither hot nor cold. It was just sort of, it's all right, I suppose. As a church, it's all right. How are you doing today? All right, I suppose. Bit lukewarm, you know, it's a bit, there's not much in it. And it was like that for them. We're all right. They didn't, but look at this, verse 17, it says in verse 17 there, moving on quickly. You say, I am rich, you have acquired wealth and don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. This is not true Christianity. We have settled for a norm that's abnormal in New Testament Christianity. We are in danger. If you let materialistic age in which we live, hey, it's not wrong to have things. It, we live in a material world. I think, was it pop group Police? We says, we are sting. The lead singer said, wrote a song, we are spirits living in a material world. And then he gets into all sorts of other weird stuff later on in his life. But there's something, we, are, we live in a material world. So, you know, we have things. That's not wrong, but it's when we live for them, when they possess us, when they intoxicate us, when they have us, when we think we don't need anything else. I've got what I need. Become lukewarm. I'm okay, I suppose. We're not. It's at that point that we say we don't realize. And this is intoxicating. It's anesthetizing. We just need to be aware of it. And that's why we're looking at it tonight. And so he says, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You're not against nor for. You're sort of, I'm all right sort of thing. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. We settle for something that is, we think this is the norm of Christianity. We think this is church because we've done stuff and we've got used to stuff. But God says, this isn't. And he says to the church, this just isn't it. This just isn't it, folks. You don't realize how wretched you are and yet you seem to think you've got everything. And Jesus said, you just need to wake up. You need to open up your heart. Now look at this. And the key to seeing the living Jesus in your life. The key to knowing the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. The key to knowing, um, to be able to see clearly. There was a, um, a series of films called The Matrix. And in The Matrix, it's quite a spiritual film actually. Although it's sort of science fiction in future, future events where machines have taken over the world and machines have created... What, you, what, you, what we're living in now is, is not really a reality. Machines have created this 
and people just fall for the fact that this is real. And um, that's the sort of story. And um, people are set free, human beings are set free from this, old, this, this thing and can see it for what it really is and then get set free from all the machines. This is this thing about the matrix. But there's something that we've settled for that we think and see. It's a bit like that. We see something and think, well, this is it. This is Christianity. But it's not. There's so much more. It's what Jesus was saying to the church. You've sort of settled. You don't need me. And this is so dangerous for you. You're not going to move on. You've parked up. And he says, there's just so much more. There's so much more the dynamic of my presence for you to know me and to serve me, for you to know a sense of well-being, for you to know purpose, for the church to possess and to fill and flood the earth. And we need to know that. And the danger is we can settle for something far less. Dangerous. Dangerous. Dangerous for you and I. And so then Jesus, and with this we conclude, Jesus shares the way to see the truth as it were. And he says, look, you know, if you are lukewarm, if you park up, he says, I am going to spew you out my mouth. The word spew, this is really strong language. The word spew, you probably know this. The word spew there means I will vomit you. He's speaking to Christians. Settling for your traditions and, and uh, your, your, you know, your preferences and, and uh, you're on automatic pilot and you, you, you're not really relying on me. You're just doing stuff because you're used to it. It's holding to a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. Even Pentecostals and charismatic Christians can hold to a form of charisma and form of charismatic and deny the true heart and power thereof. And that's why I'm looking at the book of Corinthians in the morning when we're together as a church at the moment. And so Jesus, this is the key. The key is an open heart to a fresh revelation of God's love. That's how you and I can know and break out of being intoxicated, anaesthetized, becoming lukewarm by the spirit of the age in which I live. And this is what we look at this together. It says, um, verse 20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The door is the door of your heart. This verse is very interesting. This is used evangelistically. I've used this verse evangelistically. Open the door of your heart to Jesus Christ. Let him in and become a Christian and call upon God. But Jesus is talking to the church, actually. He's talking to Christians. He says, I want to get into your life. Lukewarm Christians, self-sufficient, materialistic, wealthy, but absolutely bruised, beaten up, and naked believers in the 21st century. Jesus is talking to Christians. In actual fact, he's talking to you. And he's talking to me about possessing our lives, filling our hearts, being passionate for God, going for God, living a Christian life, desiring to live it out for God, finding your purpose and going for God together and really going for after hard, after the presence and living for God. Um, he says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Do you know, um, at the carnival, I admired all these people, the helpers at the carnival, they had these little name tag, these um, badge things on and they had... Access all areas. I've always wanted an access all area badge. You know, Dave Sanders had an access all area badge. He's got it, hasn't he? He's got it at home. He's framed his badge at home for the gathering. Dave has. I, I saw these guys that kind of had access all areas. It means they can go wherever they like. You know, Jesus has, he wants an access all areas to your heart and my heart. When he says, I stand at the door and knock, he wants, to, he wants us to open up our hearts so that they have access to all areas. You know, in many Christian lives, there's certain rooms that are locked, aren't there? You know, in some people's houses, they don't go in that room. <laughs> Not allowed in that one. 
If you open that one, all the stuff falls out. You know when you're showing someone around your house, you're trying to sell a house, you pile everything into a room, don't you? Or a cupboard. And if they only open that cupboard, we're doomed. Because all this stuff's going to fall out. And there's some things in our lives where we keep certain doors closed because we don't like the look of that. I'm, I'm, I'm gripped by this. You know, I haven't got time for that. I, I've just got so much leisure. I, I, I mean, I don't know what to do with my money. I don't know what to do about this. And God, I, I'm taken up with this. And I've got this habit. And before you know it, there's all these doors that are closed off to God. And that's what lukewarmness does. It closes our hearts. It closes our minds um, to God and to one another. And this is what Jesus says. Here I am. I stand at the door of your heart, life and mind. I knock. Will you open it? And let me have access all areas. That's what God said. He says to his church, will you open the door? And I want access to all areas. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Father is saying. In Luke 24... Two um, disciples on the road to Emmaus, I've read these words, I love these words. This is written from the message. It says, didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road and as he opened up the scriptures to us? Two disciples were walking to a little village. When Jesus came up, they were depressed and disillusioned, walking along. When Jesus put his arms around them, began to talk to them, and they walked together for a lot of hours. When he spoke to them, when he went away, they said, didn't we feel our hearts on fire? Didn't we feel stirred up? Not lukewarm. I'm all right. They were on fire when they met with the living Jesus. Access all areas. You know, we need to have a, I need God more than ever. I I try and pray this prayer, um, you know, periodically, continually. I need you more today than I did when I first became a Christian. I need you more in Christian ministry now after 21 years of serving in, in, in Christian ministry in church life. I need God more today. I honestly say I know less now than I did um, 21 years ago leaving Bible college. The more you know, the less you know. The more you experience, the less you experience. That's how it should be in our walk with God. We need God more now than we've ever done. That's the way. And if we can adopt that attitude, that's an attitude that deals with lukewarmness. It stops us going cold. It stops us falling by the wayside. It stirs our hearts and opens our hearts to the heartbeat of God. Adopt this attitude I need you more today, God, than ever. I'm going to open up my heart to you. I'm going to let you have access all areas. With this, I close now. Romans 12, verse 11. I'm going to quote it from the NIV and then the message. I love the message on this. Romans 12, verse 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Romans 12, verse 11, NIV. In the message, it says this. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. What amazing words. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Wow. That's the message. I love the message on Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And the message says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Open hearts. Access all areas. Need you more today, God. Is there any area of your life? Is it a closed door? A habit? A thought? An intent? Are you being weighed down? Do you feel that you're not in the place that you once were as a Christian? Do you feel that it's okay, but you'd like to... I need you more today than I ever needed you, God. That bucks the trend. You take that, adopt that attitude, it does something. I need you more today than I've ever needed you. Attitude seems to deal with lukewarmness. It deals with materialistic humanism. It deals with everything. It's so simple. Straightforward, really. I need you, God, more now than I've ever needed you. 
I open up my heart to you. That's what Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock. Shall we pray? Lord, we don't want to settle for a level or what we consider consider a a normal Christianity and we don't realise it's just not, it's subnormal. Your norm, you are supernatural. That's your normal. That is your normal. You are naturally supernatural. And Lord, we just open up our hearts to you tonight and we say that, forgive us. You know, we're not going to beat ourselves up, Lord, but we, we just say, forgive us if I've closed the door. If I've become a bit self-sufficient, a bit self-reliant, a bit complacent, a bit apathetic, I've got weighed down with other stuff, habits, I'm doing other things, my time's been taken away. It's not wrong to have things, but when they have me, that's when it gets, I get carried away. So tonight, Holy Spirit, Father God, Lord Jesus, we hear your words, here I am, I stand at the door, the door of your heart and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come in with them and they with me. And that's our desire. And so I'm opening up my door right now. I just want to give you just a moment of silence. And While our eyes are closed, open your door to God. Is it a habit? Is it a hurt? Is it apathy, complacency? Are you self-sufficient? Do you need to say, God, forgive me? Open up your door right now, quietly in your heart. Father God, forgive us, forgive me when I've acted as if I've not needed you, just got on with it and done it, not thought about you, not consulted you, been on automatic pilot, I've thought that that's what Christ, you know, the, the Christian norm, forgive me. I open and embrace all that you have, I just say that I need you more today than I've ever needed you, I adopt that attitude, I need you more now than ever, Father God. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. We need you as a church more today than ever before. Lord, we're desperate, desirous, need you. We call upon you because you're close, not because you're far away. You're right here, right now. And so I open up my heart as you knock on the door. Come, Holy Spirit. Flood us, fill us, release us, renew us, stir us, fan into flame cause a flame to arise that we might burn, be stirred, be passionate, arise, have hope, vision, a sense of purpose, direction, restored relationship, victory over habits. Oh God, we pray, new passion released. That's our desire tonight as we embrace kingdom attitude in Jesus' name. Amen.